Hey everybody, we have a little bit of housekeeping for you. Happy July. We have an announcement for our new book club book. July and August's book club is Steal Like an Artist by Austin Cleon, and you can find that on our Patreon page. It is a Patreon exclusive book club, and if you are at the $5 level, you get access to the book club audio. If you're at the $10 level, you get access to the book club video. And if you subscribe at just the $1 level, you get to chat with us in the Discord about the book club. And it's awesome. We're going to have so much awesome discussion. Austin Cleon's a great writer. And so many of the themes we've already chatted about in so many episodes. It's another low impact one too, which is like super easy read. It's not going to be heavy that you have to like dive into, take all your emotion. It's like jump in when you feel like it. If you have a free moment, keep it in the bathroom when you're on the toilet. Like it's just the best low impact book. Yeah. I know. That's why I love our book club. It's just, you know, pick it up, flip to page 35, get some wisdom, chat with us about it and put it down for like a week or two. Totally. That's how it has to be. And us, for us to be resourceful enough to have a book club, (laughs) that's how we have to, our our book club, our rules. Yeah. It's about it's about success. It's yeah. about like winning. Totally. And 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 stealing like an artist. We're all artists and we need to figure out how to steal. Yeah, and I feel like so many times people want to be in a book club but don't want the responsibility of like, oh no, I have to pick up this book every day and like be all about it twenty four seven. Like we wanted a book club but we didn't want that attached to it. So Right. So I we pick it. out books that like we can succeed at. Yes. So Austin Cleon, Steal Like an Artist, get it on Amazon, get it from your library, get it from the bookshelf, because you probably already have it. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I know I do. So I'm super excited for us to read Austin Cleon's Steal Like an Artist for July and August. The episode will come out on Patreon on August 15th, but we will be chatting about it in Discord starting right now. And the other cool announcement is our merch shop is almost done. Um... If you want to be the first one to hear about it, get on our newsletter list, and you can do that at craftyassfemale.com, all the way up in the little top corner in our top menu. And we're going to have amazing, cool things. We're going to have apparel. We're going to have notebooks. We're going to have cool things. Amanda, tell them what you're excited about. So there's this cute-ass weekender bag. And guys, so far, like, you know, we're just tapping, dipping our little pinky toes into this whole merch idea. Like, we we have thousands of ideas of how to expand it. But right now, it's like our logo in a bunch of different skin tones, just so you can rep the podcast if you love it so much. And yeah, so one of our merchandise, one of our products is um, this cute weekender bag with the crafty-ass female logo. I could just picture myself about town at the beach with this thing. I'm like dying to get this thing on my shoulder. So that one I'm really excited about. And the mug and a tank. It's yeah, getting, I'm really excited for the tanks. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm ready to put the logo on my body. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, um, it's fun. And so if you're coming to Awesome Ladies Live, there are like a few tickets left. There are like a handful of tickets left. If you want to come and meet me and Amanda at Awesome Ladies Live here in East Lansing, Michigan on the weekend of August 17th through 19th, you will definitely get some Crafty Ass Female merch in your swag bag. Oh my gosh, so exciting. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. So tickets are available at Awesome Ladies at theawesomeladiesproject.com slash live. Yes, theawesomeladiesproject.com slash live. And you can come hang out with us and hear a live podcast recording before anyone else hears it be in the room with us it's gonna be amazing i'm teaching workshops and you will get like the best stuff and you will feel invigorated because it's gonna be the best 
amazing retreat ever. And I feel like a lot of like, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like a lot of the themes of the podcast will just like be able to be discussed there in person, like off camera, off just like with your homegirls. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just think it's it's the best extension of the podcast thus far. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And it's, it's, well, so it's that thing of like, you know, we all, we've been talking about how we have all these conversations in our head Mm -hmm. and the podcast lets us have them together. And then we'll just be in a room and have this weekend where like a dozen of us, 20 of us, we're going to be in this intimate place together where we're creating, where we're making art, where we're telling our stories. And we can have those conversations just so much more intimately, so much more deeply. And it's just going to be the most amazing thing. Last year's retreat was incredible. And this year's is just going to be so much more. And I really hope you can join us because I'm so excited. I'm so excited Amanda's going to be here. I'm so excited that everyone who's coming is going to be here. And I really hope you can join us too. Yeah. All right. So like, let's get to Brandy because Brandy is incredible. Oh my God, guys. Brandy's so amazing. She's just the best. We could not, like we've been fangirling for a while. Like I know you've mentioned her influences on you in a bunch (sighs) of our past episodes, but like, I I didn't ask her this in the interview, but I remember her like talking about heartbreak, saying something with that her mom said, and I was like researching and Googling. But I just remember like years ago, her just saying a thing and it hitting my heart and it being exactly what I needed and like the whole episode is chock full of that kind of thing yeah and like it's amazing and she's amazing and this is the kickoff of our summer of special guest guys and they are so special <laughs> like yeah i'm they really, really proud of like bringing you these ladies and seriously today's after chatter if you Ugh. if you don't have after chatter get get on patreon and get after chatter because you need to see and hear Brandy, because she is incredible. And all our after chatters have been good. So if you end up paying for this one because of if you're going to ever make the $5 investment just to hear the extra content, today's is the day you want to do it. But then you can backlog and like listen to the you get other everything. ones. Right. And they're so good, guys. Like we can't stress enough. They're just, everything's so good. We love you so much. And we're just so happy that we get to give you all of this stuff. Totally. So. All right, well, we're going to stop talking so that you can listen to Brandy now. All right, we love you. Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Brandy. Hey, guys. How's everybody? <laughs> I'm really good. I'm really good. It's cooling off in Washington State, so I'm good now. Yeah, it's summer. It's summer in um, the Northern Hemisphere. I'm really excited. I'm enjoying longer days. It makes me happy that the sun is out. I think that's the best thing. <laughs> so I'm really glad that we're here today with Brandy Kincaid. Side note. I was super nervous about asking her to be on the show, and I rewrote my pitch interview uh, email (laughs) to her like five times, not even joking. And then I sent it over to her, and uh, she replied in five minutes, and um, it just made me so happy. So I am so, so, so glad that she is here with us on the show today. And if, um, if you don't know who Brandy is, she is 
this amazing person. She is a thinker, she is a maker, and she is a full-time illustrator with a beautiful heart and such a kind soul. And so, Brandy, you have your own shop. It's the, called The Shiny Bits, and it has prints, it has journaling cards, and more. You do freelance work for Feed Your Craft and Ellen Hudson. It's where you create some of the best stamp sets, I think, like literally on the market. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are personally and more about the amazing Brandy Kincaid that I know? Uh, sure. What a great intro. I'm going to feel pretty good for the rest <laughs> of the day. Uh, I can't imagine anyone getting nervous asking me anything. So I'm feeling, you know, feeling pretty good. Uh, so you nailed most of it on the head. Um, I am a full-time freelance illustrator um, and I do design for feature craft. So those are kits and stamps. And then Ellen Hudson, that's where I do the leading lady series. I've done other stamps for her as well, but um, my primary focus is the leading ladies. And then my shop, which is at the current moment, um, purely digital. And that's where I house a lot of prints, um, but also my monthly, or this year, my monthly collection, which is Extravagant Hope, um, which has been kind of a pet project. When I'm not drawing, I actually am at the museum. We have a local art and history museum, a few buildings um, downtown, and I work with our guests that come in, and I've just started doing um, docent tours as well, uh, so I can walk around and talk about art, because what's better than walking <laughs> around and talking about art? Uh, so I do that with my time, and uh, I'm a collector. Uh, I'm a collector of objects, which is clear to anyone who enters my house and gets a little bit <laughs> overwhelmed, sometimes excited all at the same time, but I'm also a collector of words that I overhear and that I read and that I see, and so I'm constantly figuring out how to be a collector in this world, because once you collect things, you have to figure out what you're going to do with them. <laughs> so I think that's where my art comes from and my writing and the way I interact with people. It's just how to take everything I've collected and make sense of it. Um, so that's, that's kind of me. That's amazing. Wow. We've referenced you a bunch of times in past episodes. So I feel like people <laughs> could have clicked and like tuned in if they didn't know you already, but yeah, we've been super inspired. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like I'm on a first name basis and it's like yeah. always like, oh yeah. So that's what Brandy does. Um, yeah. and so I'm just going to jump right in. So one of the things that we ask the women who come on this show is to define themselves as crafty in two different ways. Uh, crafty as a creative woman and crafty as a resourceful woman, because that is how we look at ourselves as crafty as females, um, both as women who craft cool things and use that as ways to be creative artists and women who uh, craft as uh, resourceful and use that as a means to get what we need to do as women in today's modern world. So how do you see yourself as both a crafty as creative woman and a crafty as resourceful woman? Yeah, I love that question. And I love thinking about it in those ways, uh, maybe especially because they overlap so greatly. Yeah. I think and thoroughly in my life, especially I am going to start with the resourceful as it kind of weaves into the creative. Uh, so my grandmother was a seamstress, and she owned a fabric store and uh, was just a maker, you know, tried and true. And my mother was um, also I mean, 
I would say that her main craft was sewing, but she did any kind of craft project she could come up with, except paper. Ironically enough, she's not <laughs> so much into crafting with paper. Uh, but they were women who made a lot out of a little, and their big push in life, and I think their greatest lesson to me was, if you want something that you cannot have or find, then you need to make it. You need to look around you and see what's there and make it. And so I think their biggest edict to me was that you make what you need. And I think for me that that has turned into the creative side, which is when I need things to be beautiful and I'm struggling and life is hard, then I use that to craft something beautiful. I make a notebook, I make a, a layout, a scrapbook layout, a project life you know, layout, whatever that is, um, I make something beautiful to kind of fill that, that dark hole that's there. Um, but I'm also someone who's using all of those bits and pieces to make with too. So I have a really hard time buying too much new. Um, I don't have a hard time buying things. That's not a problem I have, but I have a hard time buying new things because I really like things with stories. And so even when I am buying something, I'm buying thrifted things or things that I found secondhand and I keep those so that I can make new things out of them. Like I find a beautiful shirt or dress and I keep it and then I cut it up and sew it into a zipper pouch to keep my highlighters in. Um, so I think that resourcefulness is very evident in my creative projects. Um, and it gives me an excuse to keep going to those thrift stores. Constantly. <laughs> yeah, that I think that's been one of the best answers we've had so far. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I like to make what you need because I think as a, sometimes as a memory keeper, people don't realize that like that is kind of making what you need or to shape your story, I guess, too. Yeah. Like Kristen says. Yeah, and I love the idea of, you know, using it to fill the voids in your life. You know, especially, you know, we've talked so much about mental health on this episode, on the show, and we've talked so much about like, sometimes we get sad. And to have that option to like, go and draw beautiful flowers, or to take a quote that you've found. I mean, I know personally, I've printed out many of your quotes and I keep them in my scrapbooks because so much of the things that you do have that little bit of extra, extra bit of heart in it. And when you come across that work with heart, it just gives you a little bit more motivation to go on. And I think that's like that's that part of that crafty and resourcefulness coming together to create something that wasn't there. And when you have these things that, that you pick up and have these stories from them already, those are these things that get passed on and on and on. And it's just such a wonderful tradition to keep passing on. And I love it. You make me really happy. I'm so glad that you're here. <laughs> yeah. No, she's makes me we've really been fangirling for a while. <laughs> okay. So my first question. So you have not been doing this freelance illustrating for a long time. This is this is a new career for you. Um, how did you decide to move into full-time freelance illustrating? And what made the decision, what was the change in your life that decided, you know, I'm going to be a full-time freelance illustrator? What, what happened? So, uh, so yes, this is not what I've been doing with most of my time. I, we moved to Washington so I could attend graduate school 
which I did. So we moved from Georgia to Washington State, so all the way across the country. And um, that was in 2008. And I went to graduate school and I got my master's in literature, um, focusing on British literature, rhetoric, and pedagogy. And um, when I finished up, there, it was a very saturated market um, for the level I was teaching at and what I'd be doing. And there wasn't a lot of opportunity where we are. Um, we were going to have to move and it wasn't gonna be the best situation. And we were really happy in this location, uh, my husband and I. And we decided to just stay and I would do something else. Um, and so while I really missed teaching, that was a really, I think a hard thing for me to let go of. I got a job in customer service and just kind of dug into the rest of our life and tuned out, you know, the work part in the sense that it was just what I needed to do to get by. And I started to grow in that job and um, I took a number of promotions over that period of time until I was um, a customer care manager for offices in the U.S. and in Canada and a large, large number of people. And it was the most stressful time ever um you know customer care positions are not easy for anyone <laughs> and um it's not for the faint of heart and i loved managing a team i think it brought out the part of me that missed teaching um, but it was emotionally and physically exhausting i you know was working you know 70 hours a week or more like it was just it was just exhausting and so in 2013 my mother was diagnosed with cancer and I started doing memory keeping um, in a more like traditional what we think of as project life scrapbooking. Um, I have always done creative projects but I hadn't done anything like that before and I wanted to record more of my everyday life that I felt like I was taking for granted in a way. Um, I was watching hers change and I couldn't imagine mine changing without having documented what it was. So I started doing that in 2013 and then just kind of evolved in different projects. By 2015, um, I had started being a little more creative. So I started getting more comfortable in the projects. Instead of just mimicking what I was seeing everyone else do, I started putting my own slant. And I did a mini book album as part of one of Tina Asmus's class, Life Love Paper. And I drew a few pictures in it and watercolored them and shared them on Instagram. I mean, just not a big deal. I was sharing the pages, it, you know, it wasn't much. And it got a lot of feedback. People were like, oh, I love that so much. And I was like, really? Really? You like that? That's okay. And so then I was like, well, this is kind of fun. And I'm getting feedback and it's, I'm enjoying drawing. I'd always drawn, but never really given it a lot of credit and definitely put it to the side when I was working on my, um, my academic career and so I started doing more and more and then the 100 day project came up and I decided well if I can just practice I'll get better again and so I asked for people to give me ideas for 100 days worth of projects so I told them I would send the card at the end of it so I did these little three by four mm -hmm. drawings and that practice did two things for me. One, it reconnected me to the art of drawing and two, it connected me to people. All of a sudden I was building this community of people that I didn't have in my day-to-day -day life here physically uh, and it became more and more okay. Uh, it became more okay that they weren't right across from me in a coffee shop, which wouldn't necessarily always happen because I'd prefer to just be a hermit in my home. <laughs> uh, but I started making connections with such a wide variety of people who were such encouragers 
um, which can be a magnificent and dangerous thing. Right now I'm in the magnificent stage of talking about <laughs> it. Um, and I just kind of allowed myself to grow. And I thought at the time, there's no way this will ever be anything more than this little side project. And so this is 2015. And Elise um, from Feed Your Craft reached out and was like, let's do something together. I have the shop. Let's, you know, you can make some mini flare, which I thought was like, shut it down. The coolest <laughs> thing ever. I mean, I just thought like the world had ended. I screamed and <laughs> ran around the house. Um, and so I started doing things like that. All these little tiny projects and I was making a very small amount of income from it. Uh, nothing like what I was making for my day job. I was, um, I was doing very well in my day job. And so I thought there's no way financially that I can leave this job and get anywhere close to it. Um, and by 2016, uh, my mother was very sick and fighting very hard. And it was just very clear that that was not probably going to have the best outcome. Mm -hmm. And I was so, so burnt out and so unhappy. I felt like I was doing my full-time job 70 hours a week and then coming home and doing this other artistic job. I was building up and doing more kind of freelance work for people. They would email me or find me through Instagram. And I kept doing the numbers and I was like, oh, that's not going to work. Um, we are not a household that is like completely debt free and living in this lovely bubble. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'd read all of the stuff about how to make it happen. And it says you need like, I don't even know how much in savings and doing all these things before you leave your job. And I was like, well, <laughs> that'll happen when I'm 80. And I was just yeah. like, this is not possible. And I just let myself get more and more unhappy to the point where I really wasn't, I think, the most functioning person you would come across. And what I want to say is that I'd love to be able to tell you that I did everything in this beautiful planned way and finally came to a decision of how it would work. Um, but that's not what happened. One day I just got tired enough and I looked around at my life and it wasn't the life that I wanted. And I called my mom in tears and said, I can't do this anymore. And she said, then don't. And I didn't. I quit my job the next day. I mean, I gave notice. I'm a very responsible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I gave I'm notice. So <laughs> and I changed my life. Um, and it's sometimes as magical as it sounds. And it's sometimes the farthest thing from magical. Uh, because I'm relying on myself now. Um, and I have to find a balance constantly and I have to make sure that like I wear something other than pajamas, <laughs> but I was smart about it. I got the job at the museum a few days a week so that I would leave the house. Mm -hmm. yes. Um, you know, that's not a huge, that's not a, a necessarily huge piece of income for me. It's more that I needed to get out of the house. I knew right. that I wouldn't do well, even though I'm like utterly introverted. Um, there's a part of me that needs to be, um, responsible to someone else. Like I just needed mm -hmm. that. Um, and I thought, well, the museum is a lovely place to be. Um, and so I got the museum job and I did set up things in order to help me become successful. Mm -hmm. But right after I did that, that's when I first, um, I heard from Ellen, um, Hudson about a collaboration, went down and met with her. Um, Elise and I decided to grow even more and do more with, you know, feed your craft and things opened up as I opened up. And it's not that I'm magically now in a place, and I might not be, I may never be, or for the foreseeable future, making the same kind of income that I was at that full-time job. Um, but what I gain from my life now is so 
incomparably different. Yeah. Um, I get to have a life that I'm choosing. And if I choose one day that I can't do this anymore and I need to go get a job and it is, you know, at the fast food restaurant down the street, cause that's what I can find. And that's what <laughs> will pay a bill. Then that's okay. And I think that's the point I hit was that mm -hmm. I will do whatever I need to do. And so right now this is what it is and it's beautiful. And if it's not beautiful after a while, I can make another choice and it can be whatever it needs to be. And so that's, um, that's kind of the magnificent part of, of that realizing you can make a choice situation is that you can change your life as many times as you need, but this is the life that I'm in now. Did that answer your question? I felt like that was wow. a really long-winded way of saying, <laughs> I left my full-time job and I draw. Yeah, yeah no, of course. That's amazing. I, I mean, through all that, because now how, what are we, like, I feel like your, your work without knowing it's from you, you could tell it's from you. You have a very, like, uh, you have a style. And I'm just wondering, like, did that style evolve? Because you didn't really study drawing or art. Like, I was expecting a little bit of that in your story, but that wasn't really in there. Yeah, uh, it has evolved. And I think that's a struggle that I'm having right now. It's one that I'm feeling the pinch of is that everything I do is self-taught. Every mm -hmm. computer program, every, everything has been self-taught. And so in the beginning, when I was just drawing on paper, it was easy peasy. I mean, everybody knows how to put pencil to a piece of paper, right? Everyone knows how to go over it and marker, erase some lines. When I needed to go digital, I was like, oh, well, that's fine. I'll Google it. You know, right. everybody's got YouTube. And a few years ago, there was not as much out there as there is now. I mean, it was, it was like a wasteland. And that's why in my first couple classes for big picture, I tried to dig in and give people options. Like if you're in a baby step, if you're in like a middle schooler step, right. like here are the steps because everything's been self-taught. Um, the more I practice and the more I do this work, the more my work evolves. Sometimes I look back on the original pieces now and I cringe a little because I'm like, oh, girl, <laughs> that line was okay. Um, and sometimes I look back and I kind of am nostalgic about the not knowing because I just thought it was beautiful anyway. Yeah. But I know that like five years from now, I'll be saying the same thing about what I'm doing. Yes. Uh, every time I see something and I'm like, oh, I wish I was doing that or I need to get there. Or, How do they do this thing? Or um, I have to start from the ground up and I have to figure out, okay, what is it that's being done technique wise to make that happen? Uh, and that's both exciting and terrifying just because it takes a lot of time. And if you are, you know, being creative, but also need to get the work done, time is a luxury. Mm -hmm. And so it's a balance between creative play, exploring, growing, and being like, okay, but I've got these deadlines. Right. So I need to figure out how to do this and keep going. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, when do you have time to actually learn new skills versus when do you have time to like, you know, I need to actually work and make money to actually pay the bills. Yeah. And so you just... Gosh, for me right now, I'm still doing an hour a day, um, or I'm trying to do, I should be better about that. I'm trying to do an hour a day of practice, which is my play and learning time. I loosen up by calling it practice because if I just said it was learning time, I think I would feel a little less or a little more trepidation to going into it each day. But I, I practice new techniques. I learn new things. I explore uh, with my technology a little bit more. And I grow when I do that. I can tell like weeks that I haven't done any practice time. It's definitely 
I'm, one, I'm a little grumpier, and two, my work stalls a little bit. So, like, what are you playing with? Do you have, like, an iPad or... Mm -hmm. So I use an iPad Pro. I use the large, um, I think it's 12.9 size, and the Apple Pencil, but I also still do a lot, um, just paper and pencil, just kind of analog sketching and drawing. So do you, like, draw something on paper and pencil and then, like, take the iPad and try to copy it? It depends. Sometimes I will do old school style, which is what I did in the very beginning before I had the tablet, which is I'll draw it um, in pencil, I will ink it and then scan it in and digitize it in the computer. Oh, so cool. it never goes to the iPad. Um, a lot of the playtime has been on the iPad in the last, you know, couple years that I've had it because I needed to learn how to use it. It's drawing on an iPad is very different from, you know, drawing on paper. I try to use other tablets and realize that I have a really hard time on tablets where I can't see it underneath mm -hmm. my hand where I'm just looking at the screen and then the tablet mm -hmm. um, and I pushed for a long time thinking there was something wrong with me that I couldn't do it and then I talked to this one artist <laughs> and he was like who cares like yeah. use whatever tablet works he's like the technology is amazing now you don't have to use one versus the other he's like use what works for you which was the greatest like hall pass to just following my own gut and my own gut was that the iPad works really well for me um, I also use procreate there's Adobe software for the iPad that is not as comfortable for me I've tried and tried and tried and at some point it's okay to decide I've tried enough and this is not this is not the outlet for me it's right. kind of like I would love in theory to eat beets God, they look so <laughs> pretty and I like serving them to people and roasting them and little salads and, <laughs> and I have tried and tried and tried to like them but like the gig is up I don't like beets just and I don't them. like tablets that I can't see yeah. I'm drawing under them and you know like right. I'm just totally with you like, what are like, we holding on to it. I feel like right. I do that too I do that too all the time lettering was a big one for me where it's like oh, yeah. everyone's doing it we got a letter and I'm just like I'm just gonna stick to my office stickers <laughs> like, same like, yeah it's just like at some point you feel like I will get it I will get it. You know, like the 21 days, the magical 21 days it takes to make a habit. <laughs> but like at some point you're just like beating yourself over the head with right. your own stick. Right. Just, it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be for you. It's right. okay. There's so many other things out there that can be for you but and you'll rock at them. Trap. It's like a mind trap. It happens to everyone. It's just so funny. Yeah. It's so true. It's that's absolutely <laughs> true. Uh, and that 21 days will get you a habit. It will get you the habit of continuing to try. And I think I love trying. I, I'm a big proponent of trying. I think we should all be trying. But I also think that trying at some point is not doing and it's okay to say, I'm going to take that trying energy and put it towards something new that yeah. I'm going to want to do. Right. And like, it's going to be okay after that. Totally. Um, so that's a, that's a huge part of being self-taught and kind of moving forward with creative careers is that you have to always balance trying and doing um, because you can try forever and at some point you're kind of missing out on other trying you know that time gets taken up by being so stubborn about oh this has to be the thing and I this past year there's so many things that I've just decided that's not for me right now um, you know making amazing videos that's not for me right now. Um, you know, you just kind of, 
you siphon off your energy so you're putting it towards something that's going to fill you up rather than than take away yeah I think that's awesome Amanda's been saying that a lot lately is this adding to my life or is this subtracting from my life mm -hmm. I think that's such great advice because and then I you know we, we get down on ourselves of like you know well, I'm trying so hard. Why isn't this working? There must be something wrong with me. And sometimes we're just not compatible with whatever it is that we're trying. And that's okay. We don't have to be compatible with every single thing. We can just as easily turn around and try something new and be super compatible with that. And then everything is awesome again. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a testament to, it's like a lesson slap in the face each time that things are going to take longer than you want them to take. And you just had your, your most recent post was like, things take time. And I just love that on Instagram, that, that post. And I just think every time that happens to me, it's just the universe saying like, you need more time to marinate in this. <laughs> like, yes. It's just like, we get frustrated that it isn't doesn't come natural. And I think that's like a crafty ass female trap because we're so used to being resourceful and like getting an outcome or like trying to just use our resourcefulness to produce an outcome. But sometimes just as time needs to do it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. The best advice that I've ever, ever gotten in my whole life um, is it's from an English professor in undergrad. She told me that life is long and I feel like we hear life is short all the time. Everyone's always life is short, life is short. But the idea that life is long, like moments are short. Mm -hmm. Moments go very quickly. And that's why we work so hard to capture them and why so many of us as memory keepers are grasping and, you know, taking note of them. But life itself is long. It, it, it changes and evolves and bumbles around and back and forth. And, and I think that when we give ourselves the ability to say, okay, life is long. There is time for me to take a deep breath and to be here in this right now, um, there's, there's just this kind of ownership and strength in that. But it's terrifying because you think that if you say that, you're either negating the fact that life is precious and that it can be fleeting for some or for you at some point. You know, you feel like you're a slap in the face, you know, to people who don't have necessarily right. a long life. Or two, that... Um, that you're just going to languish in it. You're just going to kind of lay there and not get anything done. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's just a reminder that there's, there's room to grow and to change um, and to come back to the beginning if we need to, that it's not always forward. Yeah. I think that's a great point. It's not always forward. Yeah. And that's okay too. Yeah. Cause if it's always forward, then we're missing a lot of the cool things. Because some of the cool things are, you know, the themes we get to see. And, and I, that's another cool thing I think about your work is all of the stories that you get to cap, that you capture with, um, whether it's leading ladies or the work in your own shop of you being a J.B. Fletcher fan and you being, um, whether it's like wanting to capture the magic of TV shows or movies or books or just all of these like small just the beauty in everyday life one of my favorite things that you do on instagram is you well it's just this thing that you do in your life obviously but i see it through instagram so it's this thing that you do on instagram you sit out and you have your coffee and you take your notes and you have conversations or you chat with the animals and the birds come and you know them and I think that there's such a beauty in kind of slowing down and taking in 
the small, simple things that happen around us, because then our own stories are so much richer. And when we go to tell them, we go to talk about them more, it feels like we have so much more to say. And so your art and your illustrations, you pull a lot from just the beauty of everyday life. How do you decide what's worthy of capturing? What's worthy to you and what's not? So that's a really good question. I think everything is worthy. Um, I think everything is worth remembering, documenting. It's less about what and more about when, uh, kind of the timing of it. So I write down a lot. <laughs> um, and I mean, thank goodness, because got to do something with the 7,000 <laughs> I purchase. Um, but I think that I write down more than I share. And that's because I have to share things on the timeline that it then makes sense. So I'm not depending on the thing to be important in the moment. In the moment, you just kind of get this feeling like, this is good. This is nice. You know, I overheard this and it's kind of interesting, but it doesn't necessarily all have to make sense. Um, I don't have to understand while I'm sitting out and working and the bird is coming to get peanuts, why that matters because it will in time. And once it does, once it clicks and I see that little note to myself or I remember that time, that's when I kind of pull it out of the arsenal and do more with it. Um, I'm always wanting more from the small moments and they always give it to me, but they give it to me on their own schedule. So if I just try to make the minute matter right when it's happening, then it's not really going to be truthful. It's not going to be honest. I mean, I could, I could manufacture something, but it won't really matter. It's that it comes back to me when it's ready to come back to me. And that's why sometimes I will have a conversation with someone at a bus stop. And later that day, I'm like, I have to draw this person and write down this quote and share it with everyone right now because it matters right this minute. And sometimes it'll be weeks or a month because I needed to just sit and be with it, either because I hadn't figured out why it mattered yet, or it mattered so much to me that I wasn't ready yet to share that with someone else. Um, like it was so personal or so, you know, private that I wasn't ready to kind of open that gate. And so I think, yeah, it's not, it's not what, it's when. It's just kind of making sure to absorb as much as you can without having expectations on it, because that's, I think, what makes things feel heavier. Everyone's like, I don't have enough room in my notebooks, in my heart, in my head. Um, and I think that the things that take up room is not the moment itself. It's all the expectations we have that it's going to be something amazing. Yeah. Like we need it to be all of these things. And it just isn't right then. It will be, but it, it doesn't have to be right then. That yeah, was so eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> that hit yeah. me right here because I feel that, but I didn't have the words. Yeah, I feel that a lot, especially with this. Like, I'm constantly wanting to. Well, no, I'm constantly taking pictures. I'm constantly writing things down on post it notes. I'm constantly. I mean, when we'll get into it in a couple of minutes, but because of you, I've now started making commonplace books and creating just binders and binders of just things but I don't ever share them because when I take these pictures and when I write these things down they don't necessarily mean anything when I do it but like two or three days later or a week later like it's like well that was brilliant 
it's brilliant now. Like, yeah. this makes sense. And especially with so much context around it, like, well, now I feel like kind of a genius and I want to share this with everyone because like everyone needs to know this, but I can't because now I feel completely inauthentic and I can't share this because it's not authentic because I took it two, two days ago. And if I share it on Instagram, I'm going to feel like a complete fraud because it it's ridiculous. That's so now everything you've said just makes me feel so much better about myself. And so, being on the outside Look, have you done, Kristen? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. No, but yeah, because that notion to be on the outside looking in, we just see a, a, a series of consecutive home runs, I guess. You know what I mean? A series of consecutive art that means something as the outsider looking in. But what you just explained is that was in rotation, you know? And so, yes. so that's, that makes a lot of sense because that's what I think when you're saying expectation, that's where it comes from, is this expectation that on the outside we're seeing hit, 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 hit. But the hits only come because of all the stuff behind the scenes in rotation. And obviously we want to see all of that stuff because it's brilliant. It doesn't matter like if it's two days later or four weeks later, like especially with that context, it, it's more meaningful. You're just brilliant. <laughs> Harriet's in my head. Oh yeah, no, I'm on Harriet's Harriet. Harriet. She's amazing. Yeah, Harriet's in your head. Yeah, yeah, this has been a really strange year for me with Harriet because I brought her back. So I, my mother was very connected to Harriet. I think Harriet's definitely, everyone assumes that Harriet is me. Harriet is not. <laughs> um, I think she's a little bit of me and her, but she's not. She's a little bit more my mother. Um, and my mom wanted really big things for Harriet. Like she wanted books and she wanted, like she just wanted and she, she wanted that for everything. I mean, she wanted me to write. She wanted me to create. She wanted me to go bigger. Um, we, my mother and I were very, very different personality-wise and just in general. Uh, I think that I, put, I shared a lot about her while we were in the process of losing her. And a lot of people reached out and they're like, I'm just so glad you guys are so close. And so, and we weren't not, we were not right. that close. I mean, we were very different and we had to fight for each other. And so I think that I captured as much as I could of her and Harriet. And when she died, I just couldn't bear to be with Harriet. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't bear to think about what I hadn't done with her yet. And there was guilt. And so I just kind of tucked her away until I was ready. And I really thought I was ready this year. And so I marched her back out and everyone had been asking for her and I was really excited and I gave it a really good go. And it just was not Harriet's time yet. Mm -hmm. um, right. I think that before when I talked about when we have expectations for something, we can force it. Um, I think we're all really incredibly talented ladies. We can make something work, but it doesn't mean it should. Mm -hmm. And I think I tried that with Harriet and it wasn't the right time. And so, you know, she's on another little vacation. I mean, knowing Harriet, she's super outgoing. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how we are so different. <laughs> Harriet is like, you know, she's inviting everyone to her lunch table and having a real good time. Um, and so she's out doing that right now. And I think she'll come back. She is just so intrinsically a part of, I am as a maker um, but we're not together now she's someone who needs if she's taking one of those little cyclical turns <laughs> she's on the far side right now and it was hard to be okay with that I did not love I didn't love stopping doing Harriet again this year and stopping working on the 100 day project which was working on the book I'd been writing for her mm -hmm. and on the other hand it was the absolute only option yeah um, I could not continue 
um, down that path and have it feel good. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely a person where if it doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel honest to me, there's a point where I cannot do it anymore. Mm -hmm. I cannot push myself. Um, and it's why with, it's the same with my Instagram and with anything that I take on. I, you can give me all the statistics you want. You can tell me what I should and shouldn't do. How many times a day to post? How many times a day not to post? Like what? All of the, you know, coordinating my feed and my colors and my, and it's never probably ever, ever, ever going to work for me because it's not going to feel intrinsically like I'm just turning next to you and sharing something with you, which is what it's got to feel like to me. It's gotten to feel natural. And so when it doesn't, and Harriet didn't at some point, it was like, we got to shut this down. Mm -hmm. Um, I always feel like I'm on 30 rock and I'm like, shut it down, <laughs> shut it down. Like just no more. And so, um, at least I'm at a point where I can do that. I don't know if I would have been brave enough to do that a couple years ago. And it kind of feels comical to say brave enough. Like who cares that I stopped drawing this hippo for a while. Um, but for me in my little world, it felt, um, it felt important and brave to be able to say, this isn't working and I'm going to take a break. And so I think that's just been another stepping stone of, of this growth as being a maker who just makes in the world and a maker who does it for a living. Because it feels like a risk when people are asking for it. And as an artist, you can't give them what they ask for. I guess so that is a little bit of bravery to take a risk to say, this is what I need to do for me, not necessarily what my like audience wants. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And Harriet sometimes I think has a bigger following than I do. I mean, <laughs> people love Harriet and really connect with her. And I get it because I love her as if I'm not the one making her. Well, I'm, um, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, she's, she's so cute, but like, I know her through you, but I just know your characters in general. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, and that was just my, my, uh, my question just based on your evolution of how this became like, were the characters always, always there? Did they come in? Also your lettering super unique to you. And like, I feel like you were lettering before lettering became a trend, like, you know, before it was lettering, like, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I just feel like without ever taking training on this, like character drawing or whatever, or, or like, it's still in my looking at you, it's still so fine tuned. Like it looks like you've taken classes, but it's just always something naturally you did. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think so for me, the lettering is separate. I mean, so I, we were talking about lettering, an example of something you try and try and try. I yeah. did try the technical ways to, and it's not, it's not good bunnies for me. Um, I can't do it. Right. I can't thick thin. 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 Like, like, yeah. like my hands all over the place. Um, everything you see me write or letter is just my handwriting at that moment. And that's just kind of what it is. There's no technique to it. And that's okay. That's just what it's going to be. Uh, I think that with my characters, I am such a lover of the story. Obviously, I talked about before I buy things based on probably the story or history they have, but I'm such a lover of stories. I am a huge reader. Um, I usually, right now, not so much with the puppy and trying to adjust to life, but I usually average you know, three to four books a week, and that's not including volumes of poetry and stuff that I work in and out or you know, news or whatever, but, uh, and I've always been a big reader, and so the story informs the drawing. And I think that because I can see their story so clearly in my head, that's why the characters feel a little more 
kind of fleshed out or a little easier to connect with for some people. Uh, I almost never post a character without giving a backstory. I can't. It's like, how do I even show you this unicorn without telling you that her name is Daphne and this is what she likes and doesn't like? You know, like there's no way for her to exist without that also existing in the world. And so I think that that's why my, that's the, the thing about my characters is that none of them are separate from a story. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then you make them connect so much stronger, but without even doing it, you just need to do it in order to get the character out. That's what's so yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why all of the things that you make and like hearing you talk about your English lit background makes everything so much like it just makes everything make more sense yeah of like you know here are where all of these ladies come from they just come from if i'm for everyone who stayed up too late as a kid reading under the covers with flashlights these are all of our friends growing up they're just now stamps and we can put them in our scrapbooks um and i just it was just something no one else is doing it. It makes me so excited. Um, I feel that. I feel like it's, it's, you're, you're pushing something mo like, I feel like it's super modern, but it also has like a nostalgic feel like, and right. I think that's, yeah. Like, and it's so like exactly what you're saying you love. You don't like to buy new. You like to like tie it back to old. So it's like, yeah. you're, it's all. <laughs> They're like old school so, paper dolls. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, nostalgia is a big piece of, I think, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people who will say, like you did earlier, like I can tell your work when I see it. Right. And I'm not there yet. I can't see that in my own work yet. I feel like I'm not sure that I've completely clicked with my style. Um, and maybe that's because I'm so close to it personally that I can feel that it's not totally there yet. Um, not that I don't like and appreciate it. I'm just, I'm still in motion working on it. Um, but I think that one thing I know to be true is that there is a nostalgic thread through all of it. And some things it's more evident. Um, you know, I get to, with the feature craft kits that I do, um, Elise is very lovely and patient with me because I include something that's just for me in every kit. So I get it to her beforehand. She ships it out with the kits. It's always a letter from me and a little gift object, something that I feel like connects with the kit itself. So it's been, oh my gosh, I did little beaded um, safety pin friendship pins once. Uh, I've done scented pencils, the little pop kind that you would get at the, like the arcade with your ski ball tickets. Um, I've done this last one, I did a packet of Country Time Lemonade. Um, it's just, it's always something, and the letter explains, you know, why it connects to the mm -hmm. kit. And it's indulgent of me. I'm going to tell you this. It's indulgent of me. My extravagant hope kits all come with a letter from me. Yes. Um, and it's my need to connect the story behind the thing that I've made. And the story always has a piece of my history with it. Or someone close to me's history that's now woven into it. Uh, for some people, I mean, they don't, they don't care and that's okay. They're like, I just want to use the sticker. <laughs> let, me be, let me use the sticker and I'm like cool I'll use that sticker um, for others it helps them think of new ways to use the product uh, think of new stories they might want to tell using the product and so you know great um, for me it's just like I don't think that I can be a maker 
without reining everything in that's behind me and kind of pushing it forward. And this is like, these are the outlets by which I do that. So I get to bring a lot of that nostalgia into those pieces. Um, I just finished designing the August kit for Futurecraft and um, I felt like it didn't have a lot of my own past in it. I can't give away what it is, but like, I felt like I was missing a piece of me. And then I finished it all up and looked back and I was like, oh my gosh, it's all throughout it. It's just subtly woven this time. And that was really incredible to see. So that well, idea, exciting. that like throwback is always kind of woven in um, to what I do. So I think that is, it's a harder to pinpoint when you're trying to tell someone what your style is. You're like, uh, yeah, like if your childhood came back, but not in a cutesy way. <laughs> um, like it's not precious. I hate the word precious. Um, but it's, it makes you feel like everything's going to be okay. Maybe that's what I'm going for. It's like your mom bringing you a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> Just trying to capture that in a three by four card. You're doing really it, girl. Like you are doing it. Well, one of the things that you've been doing for a really, really long time that you've gotten, like, everybody in memory keeping into are commonplace books. Um, you've gotten me into it, and you've gotten a bunch of people into it, but this is something that you've been doing since college? Yeah, and actually, maybe a little before. I realized that the other day. It, you know, it's funny that like, we don't realize how long we've actually been doing craft projects. Multiple times, Amanda has, like, had to correct me for how long I've been doing my own projects, like, right <laughs> on the podcast. So, um, yeah, tell us all about Commonplace Books. I want you to just, yeah. right from the beginning. So, like, what are they? How long have you been doing them? Um, yes, let's start there. So, what are Commonplace Books? Okay. The easiest way to describe it, because they are a very fluid object that can take a lot of different personalities on, is that it is a place to capture knowledge. Whatever that looks like for the person, it's going to really evolve based on the person who's doing it, but it is a place to house knowledge. Um, and I say that it's a century old practice. I mean, it's been around since this is nothing I invented or anyone else is doing it now. <laughs> this has been around for so long. Um, but it is a Theoretically, it is a physical notebook of sorts that can take any shape and that collects um, thoughts, ephemera, bits and pieces um, of what you gather during the day. It is less of a journal. It's not a diary. It's not somewhere that you're going to go in and write about everything you saw or did. Um, that's, that's not what it is. It's more, oh, I was reading this book and this line was so beautiful. I want to write it down somewhere into the commonplace book it would go. Um, for people, you know, for a long time, it was where people collected um, psalms or hymns, like pieces of, um, you know, religious paraphernalia. They would put it and collect it in there, and that would be their go-to book. Uh, it's been a place where people connected the thoughts of others. So maybe they were working on essentially like a research project. We're going to talk about like an old school, you know, Pinterest or Wikipedia or something where they would capture all of these little bits of knowledge and then use the book to connect them. Um, it is like a guidebook for the life we've been living. 
So not the life we're going to live, although we can use it that way if we're smart. Mm -hmm. But essentially, we are building a guidebook along the way of all of these things. Song lyrics and, you know, ticket stubs that has this really, you find a ticket stub and it's got this beautiful scroll work on the edge. And you're like, where did that come from? Into the commonplace book it goes. Um, so it's both visual and kind of a graphic sense and also textual and words and things like that. Um, and I say that in that it sounds so vague, but it, it should be vague. It's intended to be something that holds what you need it to hold. And so sometimes, and I've written a whole post on my blog called On Still Keeping a Notebook. And so if anyone wanted to go there, you can actually search, I think, my name and commonplace books on Google and it'll come up. Um, and I write in detail and I show photos of previous books. Uh, and so you can see examples. But there is no right or wrong way. I think a lot of people saw the one I was working on last year um, when I first wrote that post and it is binder style so I'm clipping everything in and it was very colorful and very beautiful and I was writing everything down on these scraps of designed paper or little found bits of paper and it was artful and I love 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 when they're artful and usually they're artful because they need to be we talked earlier about how I will do a beautiful project when I feel like there's a dark you know hole or something that needs to be filled that's definitely, I think, you can tell when my commonplace books are really artful. I need to not only be collecting the words and the visual objects, but I need to be putting them together in a way that kind of fills me back up and completes them. But I've also had so many commonplace books that are my absolute favorites that I pull out and reference all the time that are little moleskin notebooks that are just lines and lines and lines of quotes I've written down or post-its that I've written on and just stuck in there or a sketch I've done that no one can tell what it is but me. I mean, nobody. And so those are just as precious. It's not so much the medium, it's what you're putting in it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what makes it so incredible. I think it's great when people want to make them more artistic, but I think it's equally as great when people want to just capture the world around them in any form possible. And sometimes that's a spiral notebook. Yeah. you know, and a ballpoint pen. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of the basis. I have been talking about it um, in the sense that I've been doing it for a little over 12 years. I was going back to college with it on my timeline um, because that's when I was, I started to read um, Joan Didion and she wrote this essay on keeping a notebook, um, which is where mine kind of spins off, which is the most beautiful essay. If you haven't read it, actually it's in um, Slouching Toward Bethlehem her collection and I think everyone should buy that and read the whole thing but now that I'm done being bossy um, <laughs> I say that that kind of spurred me to start keeping a notebook in that way and I did research on commonplace books and really you know kind of gravitated to them but when I was cleaning up my office a few weeks ago I found one of my notebooks from high school which I mean if you want to talk about cringing whoo <laughs> um, it's a composition book but you can't see the black and white marble anymore because I decoupaged it <laughs> nice. with butterflies nice. as one would. Yeah, some are holographic, so it's hardcore. Okay. Um, and inside, though, it's pages and pages of quotes and little things I must have, like, found and taped in. Um, I taped in a birthday candle, which was not my smartest move. Don't <laughs> yeah. candles into your... Yeah, if you want to know if they melt and get gross, it's... Um, love letters from high school boys, which... <laughs> don't read those. Um, but it's clearly... I, I didn't know it at the time, but it's a commonplace book 
of sorts. It's, you know, it was my common life. And that's what a commonplace book is. It is seeing the uncommon in the common. And I think that's why this practice has held with me so many years and why I've allowed it to take shape in so many different ways. And I give myself so much grace with it. I don't care if one is absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, everyone wants to like hug it and look at pictures of it. And the other one is so ugly that everyone would unfollow me on Instagram. Like, I don't, I don't care. Every single one (laughs) of them has been exactly what I need it to be. And that in order to put anything in a commonplace book, you have to be paying attention. Nothing gets in there without you doing it. And what else is better in life than something that nudges you to pay attention? You know, so it has been the absolute, um, I think, most important process I've done, no matter what I've been doing for a living. It's not stopped or started based on my creative pursuits. It has just been this constant collection. Um, And I love when I see quotes or passages reappear. Um, You know, it really mattered to me in 2005, and then suddenly here it is in 2018, and I'm like, oh my god, it means something totally different to me now. I'm tugging on those words and asking those words to do different work, Yeah, but they're there. Like, I'm clearly, you know, I bounce back to myself in different ways, and I kind of love that. Which is kind of another way to say, like, you're manifesting, but you don't even know that you're doing it. Yeah. It's like coming to the surface because maybe it called your attention years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, th- and I think everything you're saying about commonplace books is me and Kristen talk about all the time, how you're saying like people come at crafting or even artistry at different levels. Mm-hmm. And me and Kristen, we talk about like, you know, a lot of our audience are already seasoned crafters, but that not, that's not necessarily true. Like, and I think we always talk about like, where do how could we engage this conversation and teach people there's this world that are new, I guess. And I think commonplace books are a good place to start because like we always say for people who aren't crafty, like everyone we talk to on the show is like, I've always been the creative one in my group. People call to me to say, Oh, she could make this. Let's, you know, (laughs) but so we always say like, but it isn't hard to be creative, but I think absorb, like you're saying absorption and paying attention, which what commonplace books call you to do are kind of like the first little glimmer step and like how to be resourceful or be creative like yeah get a notebook yeah yeah right like people don't don't give themselves time to absorb like a lot of times we tell beginning crafters like just play but if there's nothing you absorb to play from you know that it you know it's so I think I think we're kind of missing that that it's absorption first or like paying attention first is the first thing that happens to be resourceful and crafty and creative maybe yeah okay you need to take stuff in if you're gonna put something out and we talked about that in our creative rut episode too of like you know sometimes you need to take a step back you know if you are in a rut and you can't produce sometimes you need to try to stop producing and you need to take stuff in and you know and you obviously save all your commonplace books Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure actually there are some from early college that this is going to hurt people who are not like this, but I loaned them to someone. These two, they were very different style and I loaned them to her because she wanted to pull quotes to use for her project. And then we lost connection and I don't know where they are. Mm. And I've told a couple people that and they're like, Oh my God, isn't that crushing? Isn't it like (laughs) the most? And I just feel like, no, 
I mean, they served their purpose at the time. Would it be fun to look back at them now? Yes. But I feel like while I do keep them and they're really important and precious to me and I want to think that I would kind of grab them in a fire, um, I think that I also contain everything that is in them inside of me. I mean, I the fact that I can even go back and reference them tells me that I connected with that piece and I know where to go and look for it. And if I needed to, I could look inside and find it. I mean, it is fun to just pull it off the shelf, but yeah, that's a really good perspective. Yeah. So what advice would you give somebody who wanted to get started tomorrow? Read your blog post and then grab a notebook. Yeah. So I would say read the post and then grab a notebook and grab it without expectation. I think people who start and get overwhelmed are trying to do one that looks exactly like some of my more recent ones that they've seen and they get overwhelmed. Start with a notebook, start capturing things, writing things down, keep a little bit of tape or glue with you in your bag so that you can add things to it. Uh, Physical objects, you know, as well, paper and scraps and trash and things, Uh, and let it build a little bit, and then either fill that one up and then start the next, or let that tap into the side of you that's going to want to do it more. And then go get whatever style you want to do. You want to do a beautiful binder full of scraps and bits and make it be lovely. Amazing. Do that. Do you want to continue just with something like you're doing now? I think you have to let it light you up first mm-hmm. um, without trying to kind of look at the end result. And it, I think for most people it will. I think it, it will look different than someone else's. Your things, you know, won't be the same things as mine, but I think just that practice of writing things down and capturing things around you because we do it. I mean, Pinterest and things wouldn't be as possible as popular with people if we didn't crave the act of saying, that's interesting. That's pretty. I want to remember it later. And like save, 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 tab, tab, tab. It is innate within us to find beautiful things and collect them so we can go back to them. We're like little squirrels. Um, And so just doing it in a notebook means that, especially if it's writing words down, pinning it in your own hand, it just kind of like it, it burns it into you in a way, you know, yes. you remember it. It's not that you memorize it necessarily, but it, it connects you and makes you a part of the process. And so that's why I recommend doing it. That's why I recommend not negating all of the technology we have to do these things, but to go analog and to do it by your own hand and connect to the world in that way. And all it takes is, a notebook, whatever size, whatever paper, and something to write with. Yeah. Everyone should get started tomorrow. Yeah. Everyone should get started today. Get started yeah. today. Go read Brandy's post and grab a notebook. Definitely link to it. It's in the show notes. All right. So are we ready to do uh, currently lightning round? Yeah. You don't want to do that last question? We're going to do the last question on after chatter, dealing with hard oh stuff. Oh, my God. But it's so good. I know. I everyone to hear it. They are going to hear it. They're all going to go on to Patreon because uh, Brandy's amazing at showing up with grace and dealing with hard stuff. And uh, we're going to get super vulnerable and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I love that. I love that one. Um, yes. Are you ready for lightning round? Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. I mean, kind of. Sorry, wait. I almost didn't hear you because my cat is sitting on this. Okay. <laughs> so with every one of our guests we do a lightning round to find out what they're currently up to so and it's based off Kristen's currently card that people associate her with that's one of her crafty um things she's put out in the world so we decided verbally with our guests on the podcast it would be fun here we go 
So Brandy, what are you currently watching? Uh, I'm re-watching over and over two documentaries, Obit, about the New York Times obituary writers, mm. and California Typewriter. Ooh. California Typewriter? It's like a... It's a documentary. It came out this year, and it is amazing. I mean, oh. granted, I've seen both of those like 30 years Yeah. Now, so just trust me. It's really good. I love documentaries. Okay. What are you currently reading? I am currently reading a book called Hannah Green and her, what is it, Unfeasibly Mundane Existence. <laughs> it's by gosh, Michael Marshall Smith. It's a new book to me. It's hard because it was only available digitally, so I'm reading it digitally, which mm. nothing against anyone who reads things on e-readers. <laughs> I do not. I need an old, smelly paperback book. And so it's been hard, but the book is good enough that I just don't even care. I'm reading on the screen. And I read somewhere, I think it was in your about, that you say, like, you struggle between mediocre and magical or something like that, or you want, like, a place in between. Yeah. Something like that. I thought that was so yeah. good. Like, it's true. But it kind of ties into that book, like, the idea of that yeah. book. Yeah. But I love it. Okay. Um, what are you currently listening to? Uh, two things. So when I'm working, I'm, which I've been doing a lot because I've had a ton of deadlines, I'm listening to Eminem. Okay, nice. And full blast. And when I'm not, <laughs> and I'm feeling more just lovely and floaty, I'm listening to Molly Pardon. I know it sounds like Dolly Parton, and I love her, <laughs> but it's not. Her name is Molly Pardon, and she's kind of a folk. I think they call her like neo folk. Mm -hmm. uh, she's fantastic. Awesome. Eminem like kind of like, like Eminem makes you like feel pumped and like you need to execute, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, like I can do it. I mean, and I'm right yeah. on the wire. Like my everything rests on my ability. Yeah. <laughs> This one shot at like yes, <laughs> that's yeah. what he does bring out. It's true, and then you watch yeah. Eight Mile. <laughs> that really important. <laughs> okay, I, I feel you, girl. Okay, what are you currently making? Uh, I'm making marks. Um, I know we think about mark making with like pattern making, but mm -hmm. I just came out of a really tough time. And so I'm making small marks, and I'm not doing any big projects necessarily for myself. I'm just kind of making marks and existing and it's been good yeah. i like it i like it too what have you currently been feeling i am feeling quietly hopeful after not feeling as hopeful for a month or so i'm feeling really quietly hopeful like i'm i'm baby stepping back into it i love it i need we need after chatter because yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm in i'm waiting for that to kick in for me but I'm glad to hear that you're there because it makes me, gives me hope that I'll be there. Um, what are you currently planning? I am planning, I have something new in the works for, um, I think it's going to be an August release in my shop. And it's taking a lot of planning and figuring out. It's very new for me. So I'm in the thick of that right now. That sounds exciting. <laughs> when can we be expected to see hints of it? Mm, I think that I think in July I mean obviously if it's releasing yes. <laughs> uh, but I mean I told Elise about it and she if I tell her I'm doing something she does not let me off that right yeah. that's how I've had a monthly release in my shop is that I'm not, I don't want to disappoint her like girl is yeah, on it your so. accountability buddy she is so I think um in mid-July I'm gonna be sharing more about it that's exciting All I'm right. excited okay and lastly what are you currently loving 
So uh, I think I mentioned that I'm just starting to be a docent or a tour guide at the museum. And one of our current shows is Richard Diebenkorn. He's a, uh, an abstract painter is what he's most known for. But he had this quote um, that I wrote down and I think is just so brilliant. And I love it so much. He said, I can never accomplish what I want only what I would have wanted if I thought of it beforehand. <laughs> yes. Um, and I just, I wrote it on this piece of post-it and I've had it stuck in my notebook and I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. So I'm loving that right now. That is so good. I love it. So good. All right. On After Chatter, we're going to talk about dealing with hard stuff and showing up with grace. And I am so excited. I'm so excited. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. So come over to patreon.com slash craftiestfemale and listen to us, watch us, and just join in on the conversations because it is going to be absolutely wonderful. And thank you, um, Randy, for being on our show. Yeah. Thank you thank so much you for having me. So much. <laughs> so great. Yes, all her links to her is in the show notes. Yeah. Head over to craftiestfemale.com episode you'll be able to find everything we talked about in this episode all the brandy and then the link over to patreon as well so yay and we will uh catch you next week if you are not heading over to patreon with us but guys seriously head over to patreon with us um otherwise we'll catch you next monday and we love you so much and have an amazing week and we'll see you later Bye bye